Hello, lifers. Welcome to season two of the 1010 podcast, episode two, where we're talking about all things pertaining to life and the abundant life that each of us has through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm excited to do this solo podcast, just going to be sharing some things that the Lord has placed on my heart for a new year, this new year. So thanks so much for joining me and let's go. Happy New Year, lifers. Can you believe it? Here we are together again. Happy 2024. Uh, God is faithful and it's a new year and it's good, you know, to reflect back on the things that God has done in your life, even at the same time as we're looking ahead and looking forward to all the things that God is going to do in this next year. So thinking back to 2023, you know, what are some things that you can just really thank God for? Maybe it's something really big, or maybe it's just something really small. But it's good to uh, remember, the Lord loves it when we remember to thank Him, when we when we have thankful hearts, we have appreciative hearts of his faithfulness, of his goodness. And so I encourage you, even as uh, we're making New Year's resolutions and we're thinking about 2024 and the ways we want to grow, the ways we want to um, be better people, to just also just pause and look back and just say, thank you, God. Thank you for 2023. Thank you for whatever it is that he has done in your life. Uh, we know God's faithful. You know, um, a couple weeks ago, I guess it was, uh, in our one of our church services at Cedar Park, somebody shared a word uh, that they felt like the Lord had put on their heart to share for our church. And um, I wrote it down just, I mean, it was kind of long, but I just wrote down the first thing because it just like hit me right away. And it said, um, he said, stop idolizing comfort. Um, stop idolizing comfort. And it was just like, boom right? Between the eyes, right? Um, wow. Do I idolize comfort? Yes. <laughs> you know, think about it. I know for myself, uh, I think almost every decision I'm making throughout the day is what's going to be most convenient. Like what's going to be easiest for me? Like what's going to make me the most comfortable? How am I going to be <laughs> right? I mean, obviously there's common sense in a lot of that too, where you want to do things that you know, make sure your schedule is something that you can actually achieve and not, I know my problem is always like packing things too. I always pack too much in one day. I don't, it's like, I start out with just the highest expectations of myself and I'm pretty much always disappointed. <laughs> so I need to lower my expectations, right? But this idea of idolizing comfort and pursuing comfort was just something that really uh, caused me to ask God, you know, what, what am I doing? Like, what, what am I doing? That's idolizing comfort. And how many things has God asked me to do that I simply didn't even consider because it would make me uncomfortable. I mean, I can think of things right away. <laughs> oh, that would, that would just be, oh, that would be too hard. I would be really tired if I did that. Mm, what would I miss if oh, I really, I value my sleep. I don't know. Um, or, oh, it's cold. It's raining outside. That would be, oh, I don't think I have time for that. So many things, man, that I don't think that I even consider because I, 
idolize comfort. I think that if we're honest, that's probably the case for most people, right? Most of the decisions that we make throughout the day is what's going to be best for me. What's going to best fit my schedule. Uh, And that's, it's good to be like honest with ourselves. So you understand what I'm saying? Like there's has to be that balance of obedience first, right? And then, okay, God, what are you asking me to do? And what, maybe, maybe sometimes we we're putting extra pressure on ourselves that God's not even putting on us. And so just being honest with ourselves and with the Lord, God, what do you want me to do here? Um, so I just thought that was a, a good thing to share with you guys. It's something that I'm thinking about. And also just being a new year, um, asking the Lord what he has for me in this next year and uh, how he wants to use me, what plans he has, and really tuning my heart to hear from the Lord, to be in step with the spirit. Um, It's easy to come up with a list of things I want to accomplish, right? In a day or a week or even a year can set those big goals of things I want to do places I want to go, things I want to accomplish. Uh, And I think you would all say the same as me and agree that that's great. Accomplishing things is great. And it's good to have goals. I think we should have goals, but bringing those to the Lord first, right? So there's a lot of things that we can pursue. I mean, it's the new year. I immediately, I think of probably everybody's thinking about fitness or health. And yes, that's a good a good venture. It's probably just a lifelong goal of just, you know, trying to be as healthy as we can and be in shape moderately. But I think even those things too can become idols for sure. They can, maybe you're pursuing, um, achievements at work or in school. Maybe you are looking for your spouse this year. Maybe you're thinking this has got to be the year God that you are going to bring my spouse into my life. Maybe you're, you're already married and you're, ready to start a family. So you're pursuing, you know, having kids and what that might look like, or maybe you're thinking about going back to school, maybe reinventing yourself or starting a new career. Um, there's a lot of things that we as humans keep ourselves busy with. And it's good. Like the Lord wants us to, to, uh, do things right. And to be accomplished. Um, but it just made me think about of all the things that I'm pursuing this year, of all the things that we're pursuing, uh, what is the most important thing? And, you know, for me, when I, when I think about my kids, when I think about, um, myself, our family, when I think about the people that I love, you know, my relatives and our church and just the, the people that I am connected with, the people that I mentor or that I spend time with, my prayer is more than any other prayer that I pray for people or for myself is that we would hunger and thirst after righteousness first, right? God, help us to hunger and thirst after you, after righteousness, to desire the presence of God, to be hungry for the word of God, right? I want that hunger to drive my life. I want that pursuit of righteousness to drive my life, to really be the motivator behind all the things that I do, that my hands find to do. And um, as I was thinking about that, it reminded me of Matthew chapter six, um, verses 31 to 34. It's a very common verse. I'm sure you've heard it before. If not, have it memorized, but it says, do not worry then saying, 
what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. And verse 33 is the one that I just love. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. And I love that. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And and this whole chapter is really about uh, prov- providing for our physical needs, right? Whether it's the, the clothing that we wear or the food that we eat, just that basic need that kind of drives all of us as humans. You know, we get hungry every couple hours. We're thirsty all the time. <laughs> we always need clothes to wear, especially the newest thing to wear. And so these, this is something that literally every human can learn from. Uh, and it's, it should guide us, right? Don't worry about these things. Don't worry about these things. But first, seek the kingdom. Think, seek, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all these things, they're important. They're going to be added to you. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And isn't that so true? Um, this last month, I read a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer. And uh, I read it for a cohort that I'm a part of. So I'm not really a huge reader, to be honest with you. Like I, I read the Bible um, and I read books that our staff reads together <laughs> because I feel very, this is just like transparency. I feel like there's so much crapola out there in garbage and not only just negative stuff, but just noise so much like, Oh, you should read this book. Oh, read this book. Oh, read this book. Ah, and I'm like, I barely have enough time to read the word of God every day. And so I'm going to focus on that. And on any extra time I have, I will pursue all these other books. So <laughs> it's usually like if I have to read it for something that I'm reading it and I always learn stuff, but I think I'm also just protective of, um, the way that I allow my mind to be shaped by things that influence me. Everything influences us, right? We'll talk about that in a minute. But if you haven't read Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, I would encourage you to read it, but only after you've read your Bible reading and you have time. (laughs) It's a great book. uh, And so I don't want to totally spoil it. But at the very end, he shares how this is crazy to me. It's going to blow your mind. He talks about how he goes through the process of, you know, becoming like a minimalist where he, um, this is the crazy part. So he said that the first year he did this, like they, he really just got rid of a bunch of stuff, like all the excess stuff they didn't need or use. And I don't really know. He didn't describe a ton, just, they just, you know, pared down their life. But he said the first year he did it, he gave himself six outfits for the year. Six. Right. I know minds are being blown everywhere right now, (laughs) but it gets worse he did it again the second year and he realized he only needed three outfits for the year. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I believe it. (laughs) That is crazy, but I'm reading this book last month and I was getting so inspired. Like I can't even tell you. It was like, I think it was the Holy spirit just came over me. And, um, I, if you know me, well, two things about me are kind of funny. I think is I love to thrift. So I'm constantly looking to like, 
I love like knickknack. So I love stuff. But at the same time, I also really love to organize and make things just like efficient and clear. I don't like clutter or like piles of clutter. Uh, It drives me crazy. So it's kind of a funny combination of personalities, but it's what it is. So I was already feeling like, you know, with like the Christmas clutter and just I don't know, this year's been so amazing and action-packed. I feel like I haven't had as much time to do like my annual garage sale. So I just feel like I had stuff shoved in every corner of our house and it was driving me nuts. So I'm reading this book and I mean, I tell you what, I was getting so inspired. I'm like, this is a word from God. Like I, I'm going to go through my, well, it started with my house. So I'm in phase two right now. I think there's going to be at least one more phase. Who knows? Um, I've only been doing this for a few weeks, but I just went through my house and it was like basically anything I haven't used in a year or, you know, I know that I don't need. <laughs> I just got rid of it and I didn't second guess myself and I didn't ask questions. I just put it in a bag, put it by the door. So got rid of, you know, that was phase one, just like stuff all over the house. And it was like immediately I could sense this like... <sighs> I can breathe. Just this like, it literally brought not only physical space to my house, but like physical space to my heart. It felt like, you know, and then I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this with my closet. And I thought, well, how many outfits could I really live with? And so my goal initially was 10 outfits, 10 outfits. What? I didn't think I could do it. And I didn't do it. I really think I probably have about 30 outfits but that was phase one. I got rid of so many items of clothing, but don't worry. We gave a ton to helping hands, uh, which is a great like mission organization that takes secondhand stuff and get, you know, raises money for missions. So, and then also, so a bunch of my friends just like, Hey, you need to go through these clothes. Cause they're nice. <laughs> I just don't need them. Right. And so even in my closet now, I feel like, Oh, I feel happy. I'm not spending nearly as much time every morning deciding what to wear because there's just only so many options. And it makes the focus less about what am I, you know, what, what am, what am I going to wear today to just like, God, what do you have for me today? It's really shifted the focus. So that was, that has been a super inspiring part of my life in the last little bit is just really um, looking at my house, especially looking at my life in all the areas you know, it's amazing how it trickles down into every, I need to hit the junk drawers next. Cause those are like, there's just so much stuff, so much stuff that I don't need. I'm not going to use, I don't want. Um, so on one hand, like I'm very grateful for all the things that we have. We're very blessed. But on the other hand, I can't think there's too much stuff. So I encourage you again, read the book. And maybe you're like, you hate that. Like you're, or you're like, Oh, like my daughter, Ava, she just, my youngest daughter, she's like, mom, it just, it just hurts my heart. She's like, I just love stuff. (laughs) So she wants to keep all the stuff, but it's okay. We're, you know, we're going in phases and the first, like the first night that I, well, the second night that I really went for it, one of my daughters, Olivia, she got on board. And then like the next night it was jazzy. So it's really taking root. I'm still praying that Jay gets motivated. He's got a lot of junk he needs to get rid of. You know, but really it all boils down to the less stuff we have, the more hopefully my prayer is that I can just focus on 
what God has for my life and like just the things that are most important, right? Just spending time with the Lord. Um, that's what I want to be about. So um, I have a bug flying around me. So this year, that's really my desires. I want to focus more on knowing, um, knowing the Lord. And I think that eliminating excess things in our life can really help bring focus. So maybe that inspires you. Maybe that's part of like your New Year's resolution is like, you know what? I am going to eliminate clutter out of my life. And um, I think that when there's an elimination of clutter, we can spend more time, um, less time on organizing all of our clutter and just more time on what does the Lord have us to do? Just enjoying our family, enjoying um, the presence of the Lord um, and who he is and what he's doing in our life. So that's my book report on Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Check it out. Another thing that um, that the Lord has really been speaking to me about is is not just um, is is knowing who God really is, and what I mean by that is it's easy. You know how I talked about not wanting to read a ton of books, t- different books, because I feel like all of that shapes um, my view, how I interpret the world, and how what I think about the Lord. You know, especially um, Christian books, but it's easy to form an idea of who God is that is not actually who God is, right? So I think our goal as believers and my goal as a Christian is to have the most accurate view of God that I can possibly have. I I want to know him for who he really is and not who I want him to be or even who I think he is, right? And so all the things that can influence us about who we think God is, you know, think about songs and even like, think about some of your favorite worship songs. Um, do, does the way that they describe God accurately depict who he, what he says about himself, what the Bible says about God, does it match? Right. So think about the songs that you're singing can totally hundred percent shape the way that you think about God. And, um, also sermons, right? Messages that we hear, that we listen to for sure impact how we see God. So thinking about all these things, being intentional about the songs you're singing or the songs you're listening to and singing, the sermons that you listen to, the preachers that you subscribe to, just to just be aware that uh, just because you like what they're saying doesn't make it true and doesn't make it accurate to who God really is. So I think just asking God for greater discernment, and that's what I'm doing, just asking God for greater discernment into his character, to who he is, and that when I hear something that I really like, you know, a song or a sermon or an idea about God or, you know, even something I see online, a meme or something that talks about God, it's like, okay, is that who God really is? And can I find a story in the Bible? Can I find a scripture that really... uh helps me to see that that's who God is. And maybe as I, as I dive into it and I try to understand if that's really who God is, that I might decide, you know, I understand what they're saying, but that's not really accurately describing who God is. You know, even hearing people's experiences about God. Um, I think that for a lot of my life, if I've experienced it, that's how I know it's real. And 
you know, while I get that, I've had experiences with God and that is part of how I know he's real. I've really sensed his presence and I've really experienced forgiveness and I've heard him speak to me. And so I know, you know, that's my experience. But if my experience doesn't line up with who God says he is in his word, I also need to even question my experience, right? And so and even my own thought process, these are all situations that leave impressions on our heart as to who God is, shapes our view of who God is. And so just a, a desire and a, a need to strive to have the most accurate view of God that, that we can have, that I can truly have so that I can, because think about it. I want to love God for who he is, not for who he isn't, you know, just like I would want my husband to love me for who I am, not for who he thinks I am and vice versa to really know the character of God, to really know the things that, that drive his heart, the things that really move his heart, the things that he cares about, the things that he's praying about, you know, Jesus is, is ever advocating for us to the father, Jesus, what are you advocating to the father about for me? What are you saying to God about me right now? I want to know God so that I can truly love him. I think that is a very honoring and loving thing for us to do, um, to love God. So, you know, life, it's interesting how life tends to help us in this way. When we have an inaccurate view of God, life tends to challenge our view of God just organically. And it's usually through times of hardship or difficulty, right? I mean, can you remember a time in your life? Can you think of a situation that was difficult, that was challenging, that was painful? Um, maybe that you thought you wouldn't get even get through. That really um, changed, shaped, challenged your view of God. Maybe you heard me talk about it before, but I think... There have been a couple instances in my life, situations that have really, really caused me to dig down deep into understanding who God is because I really had to wrestle through stuff. One of them was when I uh, ruptured a disc between my L4 and L5. So in my back, mm, back pain. Give me a hand up if you've had back pain, you know, sciatic nerve and all that stuff. Uh, so long story short, it was months where I went, it was, um, in 2020 where I couldn't really walk. I was in pain all the time. And, uh, I went from being super active, you know, I've been active my whole life. I know some people, I have friends who like never want to be active. Like they like, they don't want to exercise. They certainly don't want to go for a run. Maybe they'll go for a walk. <laughs> So I know there's people out there like that, but that's not me. I'm like the girl who be like, let's go for a run. Let's go for a long walk with the dogs. Let's, let's go do a nice hard workout. I just, you know, that's just the way God made me. I loved it. It made me feel strong. It made me feel powerful and independent. And I loved that. And so the season where all of that was taken away, really, it was hard just on that level on, you know, on a personal level, but also spiritually, I went from feeling like God had given me a lot of uh, responsibility and opportunity to serve in, in our church and just to do lots of great things for him. And all of that was like, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't physically do the things that I wanted to do. And so on a number of levels, for one thing, uh, it really hit me at where's where do I find my value? And I realized that so much of my value 
uh, I was gaining from what I could do for the Lord and for others. And so I was valuable as long as I could do things. And so obviously, you know, you can see that as being not true. <laughs> and so that was one of the, the things that the Lord really showed me is that he loves me. He doesn't love me because I do things for him or I do things great for him. He loves me because he made me in my mother's womb. He formed me. He breathed his breath of life into me. He called me to himself. He forgave me of my sins. He sent his son Jesus to die for me. Like this is why God loves me. He loves me. That's period. That's it. And so I don't have to impress him. And I certainly don't have to impress other people for God to love me. And so that was something that it really challenged me in, but also just, uh, um, God, do you, do you love me? Because if you loved me, I wouldn't be hurting. You know, I think sometimes when everything's going great, uh, we chalk that up as, yeah, that's because God really loves me. Because if God really loves me, like nothing bad's going to happen to me. And that's just not true either. You know, and it reminds me of um, Jesus in the garden, right? So Jesus, who, you know, is God in the flesh, who subjected himself to humanity, to living as a human, gave up, you know, his throne in heaven to be a human and to experience all that we experience on a daily basis. You know, I'm sure he had back pain from time to time and he faced temptation. He faced hardship, discouragement, rejection, all the things that we face, hunger, loneliness, depression. I don't know if God was depressed. <laughs> he says he felt everything we did. So, uh, but Jesus, you know, he came to earth for the sole purpose of dying on the cross but we see those moments when he, after he'd been on earth for, you know, 30 plus years and he came to that moment or that window of time where he was going to go through the suffering that he came for. And we know that he struggled with it, right? Like he said to God, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, please, if there's any way that I don't have to go through the whipping the crown of thorns, the abuse, the, the being nailed to a cross, being pierced. He's like, if there's any way I could go, I could not go through with this. If I could just, if we can find another way to save the world, you know, but in the end, what did he say? Not my will, but yours be done, God, not my will, but yours be done. And it's such a perfect demonstration to us of even when we're suffering, we're going through so much pain and, and we're like, God is, you know, because Jesus could have questioned the love of God. God, how could you, how could, how could we have come up with this plan? <laughs> this Now it feels wrong. It feels wrong, God. You know, but even in that moment of just like the, just the cloud of pain, the cloud of maybe even confusion and doubt that Jesus faced. Uh, he just, he held true to the commitment that they had made. He said, not my will, God, but yours be done that we would each respond in that way, that I would respond in that way. When, you know, when it came to situations with my, my body or my back um, where I was in so much pain and I really felt like, God, this is, doesn't make any sense. This is actually a really poor plan. I'm, I'm not really sure why you figured this into the whole thing, you know, but at the end of the day for me to say, not my will, 
yours be done. And God, I trust you. And God, I love you. And there's that bug again. And you know, let your will be done to me. And so if each of us in our own circumstance, doesn't mean we have to like it, right? Doesn't mean we have to, to like it. But if God sees fit for us to go through it, he's going to be with us every step of the way. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to help us. He is going to do it. We just need to lean on him. We just need to seek him, right? In every in every phase of that journey, knowing that those struggles actually draw us closer to him and help us to understand his character better and and to know who he truly is. And I'll tell you what, going through that season of pain gave me such a deeper love for God than if I hadn't gone through it. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. But God was so close to me in my greatest moments of, of need and pain. And when we can truly surrender our bodies to the Lord, our strength to the Lord, sometimes it's easy to give God like, oh, I'm a mess here, take me. But when we're to give him our strength to say, God, I, I submit to you. I surrender to you, even especially on my best days when I have all the strength in the world and I have all the energy in the world that I would stop and I would say, God, I'm yours today. I'm yours. I want to be fully submitted to your will today. I want to be fully surrendered, not seeking or idolizing my own comfort, but seeking obedience to the Holy Spirit seeking to know the character of God, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and letting God bring all these things that I, you know, that I need and some that I think that I need to me in his timing and in his way. You know, I know that God loves me and God loves you so much. And the greatest joy for him is when we come to him in trust, when we come to him in submission, when we come to him in thankfulness, saying, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it all, but I trust you and I know you're good and you're the same yesterday, today and forever. And you are the solid rock that is immovable and unshakable. Your kingdom is unshakable. And I believe your word. And so I hope that this next year, as you're making your, you know, list of things that you want to pursue that at the top, that it's God to pursue. God is number one in your life to pursue um, after his righteousness, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we would become lovers of his word, lovers of his presence, um, willing to humble ourselves before him, willing to submit our lives to him so that when 2025 rolls around the corner that we can truly say, I wasn't perfect. Maybe I would do things differently, but I drew closer to the Lord that I know him better now than I did in 2024 or in 2023, that we would grow closer to the Lord and ask God each day, God, how can I, how can I serve your will today? God, how can I say not my will, but yours be done following in the footsteps and the example of Jesus, who is um, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You know, he's our savior. He's our Lord. He's coming back for us soon. And we want to be ready. And we want our hearts to be um, washed white as, as snow. And, you know, I know that 
there's a lot of pressure in the world. And I really do believe that God is refining his, he's refining and purifying his, his bride, you and I, the bride of Christ. So the more that we surrender to that purifying and that refining, you know, the, the better it's going to be for everyone. <laughs> and so it's not easy and it's not fun, but that's why we lean on the Lord, lean on the Lord, not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledge him and he will make our path straight. So, um, thank you so much for just letting me kind of stream of consciousness, share some things that are in my heart today. And I hope that there was a nugget or two of truth that you could tuck away and maybe lean into and that you'll share this podcast with maybe a friend or somebody that you thought of as, as I was sharing some things, maybe it made you think of somebody that you think could really be blessed through this podcast. And I'm excited again for 2024. And I'm as anxious as you are to see all that God has in store for this podcast. But, um, my desire is to commit it to the Lord as his podcast and, um, and let him use it to speak his truth and his purposes, his life, his good news to everyone who listens. And so I'm just going to close us out in a word of prayer, and then I'm going to sign off. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your presence here today. Thank you for every person that has joined on, on this podcast to hear the things that you've put on my heart. God, I pray that you would minister to each heart, that every heart would be open to you, to the truth of the Holy Spirit to the truth of who you really are. God, I pray for great discernment on your people, on your church, that we would be able to recognize when there's a lie and when there's the truth, that we would have great discernment in our hearts as we understand the true nature of you, your true character. God, not who we think you should be or even who we want you to be, but who you truly are. God, that we would know that you you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that you are coming and you are purifying and refining your bride. So we submit to you today. We commit our lives to you. And God, we just thank you again for this time. And we pray all this in your mighty and powerful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the 1010 podcast. And we'll see you next time.